you walk into anything in our industry and you literally got to take the, the off the shelf stuff and to some degree customize the living heck out of it. And so I think that's where the huge change has been. It's been an, an absolute start from scratch. What do we need to actually do as well as a uh, holy smoke? We can't replicate this as well as we thought we'd have to. We literally have to customize, customize the heck out of many of these. Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience, listen to and talk with your buyers, and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? This episode is proudly sponsored by Checkpoint Software, a leading provider of cybersecurity solutions to over 100,000 corporate enterprises and governments globally. Checkpoint Infinity's portfolio of solutions protects enterprises and public organizations from fifth-generation cyber attacks with an industry-leading catch rate of malware, ransomware, and other threats. To learn more about Checkpoint and its Infinity portfolio, visit Checkpoint.com. All right, welcome to another episode of Audience First. This is going to be a good one because I have two fabulous people on the call. Two Chris's, actually, and one of them is no stranger to Audience First, no stranger to me. He is the one and the only Chris Roberts, and I also have Chris Federico on as well. So, Chris Squared, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy, for having us on this one. Yeah, very Thanks, excited. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, let's dig in. Chris Federico, CFED, as you had mentioned prior to us hitting that big red button for recording. Who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? Yeah, so I'm Chris Federico. I am the Checkpoint's cloud security sales team worldwide. We're a specialist team. We support our customers and all their initiatives moving to the cloud. And I do it because I really enjoy it. I was a technical guy and I wanted to be doing something where I could bridge the gap and make sure that we bring solutions that bring value to the customer. Excellent. Mr. Roberts, how about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? Oh, let's see. <sighs> Researcher, hacker, and CISO for Boom Supersonic. Um, guardian of three Great Danes, one of which is likely to stick his nose in because I just got back from a trip. So at some point in time, at about this level, there's a Great Dane that's going to come looking at the snacks. And uh, why do I do it? I do it because I enjoy it. You know, it's, it's, I want to make change. Um, you know, we're, we're in this industry for one reason, to protect people. And um, let's see if we can actually do that. I love that you mentioned you want to make change. And by the way, I love puppies. So if puppies come in through, totally cool. Yeah. Um, you talked about change. We're going to dig into that in just a, mm -hmm. a minute. But, but you know, I've, take a, I've taken a look at both of your profiles. Both of you are very seasoned in the tech space, specifically security. I kind of want to know how how you've seen solutions change over time and given those changes, how behaviors in our space, both from the buying side and also from the sales side and the marketing side have changed. Uh, Chris Roberts, how do you, how about you kick that, kick that off? Yeah, I think it's, I, I was fortunate. I stood up, I was standing up talking about this stuff yesterday and day before yesterday, but when we first got into this industry and Chris, I mean, you're probably in the same boat. You first got into the industry. We didn't have the solutions. We were, as nice as I put it, we were making shit up as we went along. 
I mean, you know, you look at the evolution of Checkpoint, Checkpoint came out and it's like, hey, we better fix this problem. So they came out with a that's standard single simple firewall and it was bloody good and it was effective. And then as the industry evolved, it evolved along with it and more and more things had to evolve. And we didn't walk into say finance or manufacturing or something like that, where it's like, Hey, I need something to drill a hole. Great. For the last 10,000 years, we've had this thing and we, we kind of refined it a bit. We've come into something that we've had to grow and figure out the solutions. And I think it gets more complicated because each company inside the verticals are relatively different. There are very few cookie cutter style companies and organizations out there. Again, you walk into a, any of the major coffee chains, and it's pretty much the same bloody thing in one of 10,000 different locations. It's kind of easy, kind of simple to do. You walk into anything in our industry and you literally got to take the, the off the shelf stuff and to some degree customize the living heck out of it. And so I think that's where the huge change has been. It's been an, an absolute start from scratch. What do we need to actually do as well as a uh, holy smoke? We can't replicate this as well as we thought we'd have to. We literally have to customize, customize the heck out of many of these. So those would be the two areas I'd look at. You said something that really resonated with me. I was recently in a business trip and one of the salespeople came with me, he said, Chris, you know, things really changed for me. I've been doing this for 25 years. And he said. I used to go to customers and tell them exactly what they needed and they listened to me because I was bringing something because they, I had to bring them a solution. They didn't know they had the problem. Now he said, they come to me, they tell me their problems and I need to try to figure out if I have the right thing to put on, you know, in their environment. And it was very insightful because that's, that's such a big change in, you know, how you described in the beginning checkpoint, we created this firewall. Customers didn't necessarily know they needed it that you expose them to where the gaps are and you solve that problem. Now it's, I have 20 different problems. I hope you can solve two of them for me. And you go in there and if you're just putting the box in front of them or putting something in front of them and say, yeah, you need this, you need this, you need this. They're probably not like not going to have the time to even, you know, give you. Uh, and to me, I think that's where, and Danny not eating some of the stuff. I think that's some of the stuff I want to talk about is because I, I, I would truly believe so much of the tactics is still that. Well, please, but by all means, let's let's go into it. I mean, yeah. we can we can go off script and then divert back. So please, Chris, ask away. Uh, Chris, to your point, I think that's. I mean, I just came back from. I was over at Secure World, fantastic conference, ton of fun, hanging out with the folks there. But I walked around the vendor halls, kind of like you do, and I'm sitting there, and so many people are telling me that they can solve my problem. So many of them are going, here is this, this solution. This is a hundred percent this, or it's, you know, hacker proof, which I'm like, yeah. But do they know your problem? No, and that's exactly to that point. I think that's the challenge. And, and that's where, that's where those tactics, that's where working with Danny on, on the CISO's inbox stuff and all of that stuff has been, cause you probably get the same thing. I mean, you know, you come back from a conference and I got an inbox full of people telling me they can solve all my problems. Yeah, I just uh, basically delete everything, right? And as a salesperson, I think to myself, are my salespeople sending stuff like that, right? <laughs> you know, and the answer is, you know, some of them probably are, but yeah. the really good ones understand, you know, how to, to go there. So maybe on that, you know, going back to the or original question, you know, how have things changed? The other thing I wanted to point out is, you know, this bundling and unbu unbundling of solutions over time. And what I mean by that is, you know, it used to be you had a firewall and you had an IPS or an IDS and you had a X and a Y and a web filtering and so on. And then everything got consolidated into UTM. 
And then you saw now this time where things get unbundled. And now I'm seeing with the economy, you know, and people wanting to save money, things are going to come back to get bundled. And I wanted to parking lot that for after and get your opinion on it. Yeah. And, and I just, okay. So I'll take the sarcastic approach. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate on this one because there, there are, and a lot of people have said to me, oh, you know, you need endpoint detection of this. I'm like, look, let's see a little bit sarcastic on this. It's antivirus with new marketing and sales. And, and they're like, no, 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 it's much more than that. I'm like, okay, let's, let's track where antivirus was going. Let's track the fact it wasn't just antivirus. It was actually doing this and this and this. It was doing some endpoint stuff that you want to call it now. You just call it XDR and EDR. I've given up with acronyms. I, I can't keep track of all the stupid things. And I'm like, but that's all it is. You put new sales and marketing. And to your point, you bundled a whole bunch of other things into it. You bought the heck down of the computer. The end users sitting there. And let's face it, in 90% of the, probably 90, 95% of the cases, they don't use half of the functionality there. And yet you're charging them for all of this stuff. And, and me, from the CISO standpoint, I'm sitting there going, hey, I know, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm a technical CISO. And unfortunately, I kind of know what I'm looking for. And so I'll discount half of this, half of the products because they've got too much junk that I know I'll never use. So you're right. You're definitely starting to see there was a lot of bundling because I think people, a lot of us were fed up with, with point solution. Um, and then it just got too much. And now a lot of us are going, Hey, we, we can't deal with all this because, because so much of it's junk that you put in here and it's not effective. I do want things to play nicer together. No two ways about it. I'm fed up. You know, when you start looking at managed solutions, you're like, hang on, I can't use that because it doesn't play nicely without, or it, it retains its own logs and I can't send them somewhere else. That kind of stuff's got to get taken out and shot behind the back of the, the damn school shed for crying out loud. No, it's, it's an interesting point. So one of the things that I find when I talk with people, especially on the technical side is they want interconnectivity. And that only comes if you're taking the mindset, right, of an API first sort of company. Yeah. Right? And that's really interesting. If you look at like really older legacy solutions, you know, you might be renewing this thing forever and ever because you have to, because it's just sitting doing some special function, oh, but it yeah. doesn't bring you the same value that it did say five years ago, even if it's providing the same level of protection or even more, if you can't take that information and extract mm -hmm. and that's something, you know, when we go and you talked about how the industry changed in the past, it's like we funnel everything into this giant SIM. Somebody goes, I mean, you can't get 25,000 alerts a day and do anything meaningful with it. It's basically a waste of everyone's time. So you bought something that you can't use. And so you have to distill that down to something meaningful. And you can only do that if you have the right APIs to pull in you know, the most critical things, the right way to send it to something, the right tool to automate the response. And it takes a lot to actually understand the customer's environment, their needs. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, seeing everything, you go to any, any security vendor expo, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. Can you tell the difference between what you saw five years ago and what you saw today? Only, only the only way I can tell nowadays is because of the language and the, and the blasted acronyms and buzzwords they use. That's it. I, I, and, and actually. The, uh, I, the only other thing I would argue on that one, that visual is a little more glitzy. That's yeah. I'd say that it's more colorful. Maybe there's yeah. different people, yeah. uh, you know, different giveaways, but as yeah. a vendor, like if you're not there, you know, with some real differentiation and that comes not just from the products and the messaging, but from the people, right. And how they engage with you, uh, you don't really have 
something that I think is, is going to separate you from everybody else. And so that's a perfect example. So I started at boom, what a year ago. And, um, I did the first thing any CISO should do after having the conversation with the board about understanding what the board cares about, why they care about things, what the business cares about. First thing I did was tell me where my assets are. First thing anybody should do when they walk into an organization, tell me where my physical assets are. Tell me where my digital assets are. Cause if I don't know where those are, how the hell do I know what I'm protecting? And so that was the very first thing. And, and to get to that answer, we ended up going out to a managed service provider, MSSP for a couple of different reasons. One, because our endpoint was terrible. And secondly, because I needed those eyes and I wasn't going to get those eyes internally because I didn't want to build up a huge, great big team and it's not a core focus. So we went to somebody I bought based on trust. I bought on not just the one person that I met because, you know, people move and people travel, but I bought based on that one person and the team that she brought with her and the other folks that were part of that organization. I bought based on the company and the organization. I looked at the board of directors. There was diversity. I looked at the team that was brought to me. There was diversity of thought, deed, color, creed, and all the other stuff that goes with it. And I looked and that's why I bought, you know, cause Sims is Sims is Sims, almost without exception, not completely, but almost the security orchestration, the playbooks, those can all be built in, but it's the people that's behind it that I cared about. Let me ask you this. What, um, as part of that decision process, what are the maybe two or three things that actually helped you build that trust or gain that trust? Um, I think it was ease of communication. That was the big one. It was easy communication. Um, there was no pushiness. Let's start with the easy one. It was like, Hey, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. There was no pushiness. There was no, let's go golfing. There was no, let's go do state dinners. They did their research on me. Um, cause I'm pretty blunt online about what I'm looking for and how I look for it. And if you, if you can't be bothered to spend five to 10 minutes to figure that out, then, then why should I give you that time? So that was number one. Number two, they understood the business. They took time to understand and learn about who we were, what we were doing, where our roadmap was. So it wasn't come in and go, here's our solution. It was come in and go, hey, tell me about the organization. Where are you now? Where are you going to be in 12, 24, 36 months time to the best of your knowledge? So they understood the growth pattern and what they brought to the table was a technical enough team that we could actually get answers really effectively, really efficiently. It, it wasn't a long cycle. They didn't push for meetings. They worked on our timeline because we had a whole, I mean, I had a whole bunch of stuff going at the same time. So it was really nice. They were like, Hey, here's some time. So any of these work? Yes or no. Let's work on some times. Great. Let's get the right people. And it was just bringing the right people to the right table at the right time. Um, money upfront, very easy, no bullshit, no messing, no if ands or buts, no changing the numbers, no moving the rules. Cause again, I want to know upfront very, very quickly anyway where we're sitting financially, if I'm completely out of the ballpark or we're in the range. So those some general numbers with some flex were put in there and I'm like, great, we're in the ballpark. Let's keep talking. So I think it was all of that. Um, that's a, that's a great point. The last one. And I've, you know, thinking about other things that have changed. I see with the customers that I work with that they also want predictability around their spend right now. And yes. that's. It, it started about five years ago that it became more and more important. But I think, you know, as we went through COVID and now as the economy is changing and there's more pressure, yeah. I get it even more. And they want to say, look, I, I might need to go from 
I don't know, let's say 10,000 seats to 10,500, but I need to know that I have some flexibility with you that I can predict that, you know, I'm not going to get a bill for twice the price because you call them, you know, 3x overage charges. Right. Those tactics that, you know, other companies use in the past, they just, they don't fly today. And yeah. I found that if you can understand what that customer, especially in the buyer wants, you can really craft, I like to call it financial engineering, but come up with the right price point in the right terms that are a little bit more bespoke and they're not too hard to, you know, to get through with legal and all the stuff. I think it was, it was, sorry, Danny, I think it was an interesting, so I, I just went through a data or we're going through a uh, data discovery. You know, we, we had a pretty good idea as to where all of our data was great. Now I've got my buckets, I've got my assets and know where they are. Now I need to know the content for, you know, uh, data, data handling standards, data critical, all of those other good things. So it was interesting sat down with a couple of the tier one vendors. Um, and I sat down with them directly and, and we'll talk about tactics on my stuff in a second, sat down with them directly. And I think what drove me nuts is they were still playing the old game. They came and they were like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's probably in about four or 500,000. I'm like, you guys realize we're, you know, yes, we're building airplanes and, uh, and engines. We're pre-revenue. I'm not spending half a million with you on, on to, to figure out my, I can do the damn same thing with a Gret script in front of a fucking polymorphic worm. I don't need you to build this for me. Oh, you know, we can probably discount it down to about one, one fifty. And I'm like, at this point, I'm done with you. I'm like, those are bullshit games that we played, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, that, and what I ended up doing is we took a step back and I now, and this is another thing we'll talk about in a second. We park this for a second. I now, for the most part, won't deal directly with vendors. I've actually got uh, Victoria and Kalidi in front of me, and I will deal with her, and she deals with the vendors now. So, yeah, that's another one. The old tactics of, hey, we're going to start up here, we're going to bring it down here. No, quit that. That's bullshit tactics now. I actually wanted to ask you, Seafed, uh, before uh, continuing, and I, I apologize for interjecting, but I do want to know, it's of interest to me, how you mentioned that your team has to identify customer need and the challenges. How, how do you guys prescriptively and successfully do that? Are there any like concrete examples that have been helpful for you and your team? Yeah, so I'll go back um, to what Chris was mentioning. You know, when we engage with a CISO, a CIO, any, any customer, any, any level, the first thing I tell people, and you know, it's a cliche term, but you have one mouth and two ears, so you should do twice as much listening as you do talking, right? You should be an active listener. And I'm more than willing to go to a meeting where in the past, you know, you'll see people, especially in the beginning of their sales career, push, oh, I have to get the next proof of concept. I have to do the demo. I have to do this. If you don't demo and do that stuff in the first meeting, there's actually nothing wrong with that, right? You should be there to listen. So I remind people you're there to listen. You're there to ask questions about who they are, what's their challenges, and listen to understand if you can actually help them, right? So if I came and I, you know, if I said, hey, Chris, like, I really just want to demo you my asset discovery product, unless you were, for some reason, we had this exact need at this exact moment in time, you'd probably say, hey, Chris, you, you seem like a great guy, but I'm really busy right now. I have, uh, you know, yeah. supersonic airplanes to secure. I'll see you later. Okay, but if I came and I said, Hey, Chris, I saw that you're in this up and coming industry. You probably have a lot of challenges. You know, you mind if I take 30 minutes and learn a little bit about what you do and see if there's something I might be able to help you with? You're probably going to say, well, 
I don't know the guy, but I might be willing to give him 30 minutes because I have a lot of problems, right? And Perfect. I need to solve them. That's a, and that's, and I think that's where it goes beautifully. One, the 15 minute thing doesn't work because we all know it takes more than 15 minutes. That 30 minute thing, uh, and Danny and I have talked about this all the time. Um, but I think the other thing is as well, Chris, to your point and to the salesperson's point as well is like my, I know what I'm doing in 2023, all barring exceptions to the rule and, and like mm -hmm. moments. I, I know what my 2023 roadmap is because I hit, you know, I mean, I, I hit Q4 of 2022. My board of directors is looking at me going, where are we in 23? Where are we looking at 24? And my, you know, what I have to do project wise, what I need to do from a compliance or regulatory and just internal business that's laid out budgets already kind of put into place as flex in there, obviously plans are afoot. So you're right. You come into me and you start charging at me for one thing. Great. Love the idea, but I'm not even thinking about that until 2024. So we're done. But if you come and you say, Hey, have you got 30 minutes to just kick back and just talk? Probably yes. And that's where my Friday afternoons come in because it is literally, I get stood up on stage and talked about this the other day. I'm like, I don't want steak dinners. I don't need to be taken out for flipping golfing. I don't need this shit. I need to sit down with somebody for a cup of tea and coffee for 30 minutes. And we'll go from there. It's easier now. We'll go from there is the keyword, by the way. Not to assume that in that 30 minutes, because 30 minutes is not enough time to understand what your priorities are. No. It's, it's just that initial conversation to say, hey, this is who I am. These are my intentions, right? Yeah, you want to present yourself in a manner that's, uh, you know, you can be considered trustworthy. People understand you're not there to, you know, crawl all over them, right? The most aggressive people, unless you, someone's very desperate, right? You're not going to actually make that much progress in, in your wasting cycles. I wanted to pivot though, to something you said, which was, you mentioned more than once board of directors. And what I've seen change in the last few years is when I speak with anybody in a C-level or an executive level position, all of a sudden they say, my board of directors cares about security. My board of directors mm -hmm. is asking me about compliance. Those were topics that were less intriguing to a board of directors in the past. Yeah. I'm seeing it now. And I wanted to ask you, how much have you seen that evolve? Because that also drives outcomes of, of where you need to go. Oh yeah, hugely so. I, I've seen a huge evolution in it. Uh, both personally, um, as a VC, so for a number of organizations behind the scenes over the years, and then absolutely drastically when I walked into Boom, I can't sing the praises of the board that I have a Boom high enough. Um, and it's, and, and, and 10 years ago, I'd never have said, five years ago, I probably would never have said that to be very, very truthful. Um, it's such a refreshing change because now the board is being held accountable. No two ways about it. And I think you end up with two different boards. You end up with the ones that still just don't want to care, don't know, or, or for whatever reason, haven't grasped that fact, or you end up with the boards that I ended up with now at boom and a couple of the other places now, thankfully, where you walk in and, and they have questions. And they want to know more. They want to understand it. Now, they want to understand it at their level, but they're also willing to take side channel conversations outside of board meetings and go, hey, look, I, I, I'm going to catch up with you at some other point, which has happened. And I love it because they want to be educated. They want to understand it. They want to understand it in the context of what they need to understand. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. As a CISO, I can no longer go in as a geek CISO, as a, as a, a geek technical knock them down with stats kind of shit. So I have to go in as a very, very business focused 
operationally aware, financially, fiscally, kind of like, you know, business degree type CISO and have those conversations at their level. I can't go in and expect them to understand me. I have to go in and help them understand my world through their eyes, which I think is that other part of that difference as well. You, uh, so I want to tie that back to how sales changed for us. And you had a couple of key points in being a technical person and a business person is very relevant today as a cybersecurity seller, because if you're a seller who has zero technical aptitude, it's going to be extremely challenging because the first question you get is going to knock you over. You're going to say, I need my sales engineer. He's not here. I'll get him on Wednesday. And what I found is the best people were able to sell, have some sort of technical background and evolved into, into that role because they were able to understand the technical requirements with enough depth. And then they were able to learn the business requirements and present them in a way that is a, in a holistic solution. And the other item that you mentioned was about operationalizing things. Yeah. If you can't take your solution today and present it to a customer beyond say, well, it solves this problem technically, right? It detects X, but how do I operationalize that into your environment? Either, you know, you have your own team who does it, or you mentioned, right, a managed service provider. If somebody can't take that and easily make it functional, then it's a no-go. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, Danny, you got some stuff? Yeah, I actually wanted to know, and, and it ties into, potentially ties into what you uh, presented over at Secure World. This is for both of you, and, and feel free to tackle whoever wants to tackle first. But we... We're trying to affect change here, obviously, Chris, right? And Chris Roberts and, and Chris Frederico as well. But it, it's it's hard to affect change when there are a lot of silos in the organization and when there's no mindset shift in the organization. This is like huge, right? This is a big lift for people, both at the top and at the bottom. So what do you think are the steps that we can start taking to start affecting that change and instilling that mindset within the organization and among the buyer community, among the sales people? For, to allow for more successful collaboration and output, especially giving, uh, uh, giving into consideration, you know, the keeping up with the pace of change, the dynamic technologies now, the market, aggressive growth goals that, you know, we need to make in, in you know, organizations like Checkpoint and others. Any prescriptive advice there? Yeah, I'll tell you what I think. You have to be present. So if you think that you can sell something and then you come back a year and you renew it, and you're not present, then you're never going to make any change, right? You put something there and you hope that everything works out. But if you're present all the time in an organization, right? So if I show up, you know, and once a month I'm saying, Hey, Chris, you know, let me just tell you where we are. You've been onboarded. Everything is working. By the way, you know, this might be relevant for other teams. If you're bringing some value to somebody, other people in the organization will start to get exposed. Now, that's not always true, but in the majority of cases, your presence means something. If you're not going there, you're not going to drive change, right? So in order to make change, you actually have to do the work I tell people. Funny story. Perfect example of yours. I turned up at Boom. We looked at our endpoint solution. Um, and I'm like, doesn't look like it's very up to date. Oh yeah, but it's being managed by this four letter company that also sells computers that apparently does services as well. Starts with D, ends with something in the middle of the alphabet. 
Um, but they were managing this, they were managing the, uh, the solution and they were also managing the relationship with us. And, uh, so we get talking and I'm like, when was the last time we talked to them? Well, you know, they sold it to us about a year and eggs ago and da, 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 da. They hadn't even charged us for 12 months, let alone even stuck foot inside the place. They hadn't even talked to us. So I'm like, and out end of conversation. No, no chances. Just done. If you cannot. You waited a year and a half to talk to us, and that's all you're doing. Um, long conversation. I'm actually talking to one of their field CISOs, CF CISOs now about some other stuff. But it, yeah, I was like, I'm done with them. Um, and it was it was ridiculous because I'm like, you know, you just literally walked in, you took a chunk of change from this company that was still starting up, and and you sold them a bill of goods. You never did the install properly. You never did this properly. You never took time, and you don't care. And so I'm like, you don't get the chance to even walk through these doors anymore. Um, so yeah, that, that's huge. I think the other thing, and Danny, this is something you and I tackled, it's something I tackled on stage to your point the other day, it's something that we need to carry on tackling is it isn't just a sales and marketing problem. It isn't just, you know, it isn't just something that, that Chris has got to solve. It's something that me as a CISO, I got to go look in the mirror. If Chris comes up to me and says, hey, I want to have a conversation, I also have to be willing to say, hey, look, I, I got my 12-month roadmap. Let's catch up in six to 12 months. You know, I have to be willing to do that. I have to be willing to say, to say no. And I've also, the other big thing, and I stood up again on stage and said to people, I'm like, quit the free lunches. You, the, the, I, I'm, I'm fed up of, of the free lunch time. I'm fed up of, of, of these big gifts and this big mess that's going on. Back to the thing that Chris and I talked about. It's like, it's a 30 second cup of tea or cup of coffee. It's a, in Chris's time, it's a $10 investment. In my time, it's 30 minutes and a $10 investment. And that's it. And so that cuts down so much on the, we have to go do these freaking Amazon gift card bullshit. And we have to go give away free AirPods. No. Cup of tea or a cup of coffee. That's it. That's all I need to do to understand what, if it's something I'm interested in as a buyer and as a seller. It's something I need to know very, very quickly and effectively to see if it's on my three to six month roadmap or if it's on a 24 month roadmap. So that, that's, those would be some really big things, but that means the CISO has got to come to the table and stop acting like a special snowflake. How do you, how do you make that change, right? How do you get people, I don't want to say let your guard down, but be more open to having those conversations. I, yeah. I think the only way is to stand up on stage and say, and uh, I'm part of the tinkerers is to say it inside the mm -hmm. tink. You affect change by leading from the front. Let's face it. And this is a hill. I'm going to say this is a hill I'm willing to die on, but this is a hill that we need to actually put a flag on and say, hey, things got to change. It, I mean, it's terrible now. It's terrible from your standpoint because the, the, the feedback your sales team are getting is most of us are, are, are assholes. We don't want to listen. We don't want to do anything else. Uh, and we hate you. And the problem is from our standpoint, I got a thousand emails in my inbox, everybody telling me they can fix my problem. And to your point, they have no flipping clue what my damn problem is. So something's got to change because it can't continue. And if it means that a bunch of us are going to stand up and go, hey, if I say no, I, I, you've got to please take that as a no. And it's a no for 12 months. And that may be contextual, like, like, hey, it isn't on the roadmap for the next 12 months. Do me a favor, hit me up in 12 months. And by the way, opt in not opt out. That's, that's probably the biggest, biggest, one of the biggest things is I had it. I, I, I even put a LinkedIn post out about, I like my watches 
Elliot Brown, small company in the UK, does watches primarily for the .mil.gov side a lot. They do some other fantastic stuff, but they'll do a bunch of civilian stuff. Got an email from them the other day, and it was just out of the blue because I'd bought a bunch of them. They're like, hey, look, we're just going through our cleanup. We're doing some stuff. Do you want to continue to hear from us? Just let us know. And that was it. There was no force. There was no this. There was no this. There was, it was just like, hey, would you like to hear from us? I wish more companies would do that, especially in our industry. You know, you go to a conference, you end up on a hundred mailing lists. Well, do me a favor. Just reach out and say, hey, look, I don't want to add you to the mailing list. I know you're in the conference. Don't know if you stopped by the booth. Would you like to hear from us? If we don't hear from you, we're not going to put you on a sales call. We'll let you go in peace. Have a good day. If we need to help you, you know where we're at. I want that. I don't want the, hey, we're going to talk to you every month, whether you like it or not. And you can opt out here by clicking on this and filling this out and doing this and clicking these six buttons. No, fuck y'all. Awesome. I like when I get those, um, you know, hey, just you haven't opened this. Thing. I get two or three of those like a year because not a lot of people do it. But right. it is nice. Like, oh, yeah, I can clean my inbox now. And it just reminds me they're going to unsubscribe me automatically. Yeah. Which is really great. I just, and that's what I want. I think it's, it's that it's tough because it, it's going to take two, two things. One, it's going to take the CISO recognizing that vendors still have to put food on the table and there's an honorable way of doing it. And I think it's also going to be the vendors realizing this, there's, there's thousands of you and not all of us have our checkbooks open at the same time. And so somewhere that there's got to be a meeting in the middle of somewhere. And I think this is why I love working with Daniel on this stuff. Because I don't think it's, and I think Chris, I mean, this is the other thing is, you know, we have a lot of people on the audience first stuff. We have a lot of people listening to the, this, the, the, what, the WTF uh, podcast and stuff like that. But my challenge is I don't think that those messages get to the leadership. I don't think they get to like the marketing CMOs and stuff like that. I think there's too many people still thinking that it's quantity over quality, which let's face it, doesn't work. I think there's too many folks thinking that the old ways still work. And conversely, there's too many CISOs that sit there that A, still think they're special snowflakes, that B, still think they're entitled, and that C, a lot of them just don't want to say no because they, you know, for whatever reason. And there's other things, I think, as well. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's interesting. I was talking with somebody around go-to-market strategy mm -hmm. uh, yesterday. We were going through some of the different things. We, everything comes back to, you have to put yourself in the buyer's shoes, right? Yeah. So if my buyer is the CISO and you don't understand that person, everything else, it doesn't matter. You say like, well, this thing does the best detection of X, but you know, everybody else can say the same thing, right? So that differentiation has to come from you truly understanding the person you're selling to. And it only happens if you speak with them. So having these kind of conversations for me is really great. And being able to build a network of people that you get to talk to and have that, I don't know, like deep and more intimate conversation, that's going to drive the outcome that you want. But it doesn't happen quickly, right? Because those, those changes take time. It takes time to talk to those people. It takes time to learn about them. It takes time to remember what their problems are. And then to translate into that to some effective message, right? And sometimes you think about, well, I just want to get this done or I want to make the quick thing, but you're never going to get the result. And I always remind people, right? it just comes back, you got to do that hard work. But in this case, the hard work is understanding your customer and that takes a lot of time. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's why, you know, that's what Danny's driving towards with, with the audience first. This is, this is music to my ears, yeah. by the way, because this is feedback. Yeah. This is feedback for me on how I can get better. So by yeah. the way, remind me, CFED, to talk to you because I... 
I think I think we could do some really fun things together. So no, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I, I mean, it's huge because I mean, so many yeah, and I think the other thing is as well, it gets really interesting, Chris. To your point, when we go back on what tactics have changed, uh, it's the ability to 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 inbound to to the, the CISO has also changed. So you've got not just you have email these days in the conferences. I get text messages, I get phone calls, I get hit up on LinkedIn. So now, and I think that's where the other problem is as well, is, is there's, I, I don't have safe space. Like my LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. I, I do a lot of posts on, in fact, I put, I'm like almost every day, apart from this week, it's been a shit show, but almost every day I post on LinkedIn. And a lot of folks listen, a lot of stuff happens, but also, so hi. How are you? But also, I think the other big challenge on it is, is so much inbound email um, and the in messages. And so many of them are like, hey, I just want 15 minutes of your time. I'm like, you didn't give the good graces of two minutes of looking at my profile before demanding 15 minutes of my time. And I think that goes right back to what you're saying, which is you've got to understand your audience. Hence, we're doing this. How? How much do you take the word of of one of your peers over, say, like one of those cold emails? And it's a loaded question because I find that when uh, somebody's willing to refer you to someone else, right, that warm introduction, that's something that's, you know, works very well. And it's a big change because you didn't have to necessarily always get a warm introduction before. But if you're talking about safe space and being so overwhelmed. Yeah. The chances that you take a warm introduction from a friend or a colleague is probably 100 times more likely to result in a conversation. I'm, I'm going with an ish. I'm and I'm putting a freaking big little star by this thing. Yeah. Because for a couple of reasons. And you know the sales tactics on this one as well. It's like, hey, can you give me a warm it? Uh, I'm, uh, hi. I'm really, I've probably only ever given like four warm intros in my life. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, and like a couple of them have come to Danny and a couple of them like Kalidian and maybe a couple of others, but that's and maybe probably Gabrielle over at Wiser Training, probably the only other one that's ever gotten them from me. Um, it's, it's a real, real tough one because again, two CISOs in a room, I have to trust that other CISO. If it's another CISO I'm kind of like in it with, then I'm going to be real careful with it. If it's somebody that else in a peer group that I trust, like maybe somebody in the Tinkerers or somebody else around that periphery that I trust, I'm okay with it. But I've also seen too many CISOs fall into the warm intro equals money equals favor equals something trap. I, again, this is, this is the problem. We put the CISO on the pedestal and say, Hey, you know, all CISOs are great. And they're all like, no, there's assholes out there in my, in my yeah. There's like really bad assholes in my, in, in my peer group, unfortunately. So now I've got to be careful as to who I'm taking that intro from. Um, I, I tend to like, I mean, as I said in the beginning, so I now I have Victoria now is kind of like my gateway for most seat for most, for most vendors. I sit down with her and I go through my projects for 23 and for 24 and we look at what's on place. So let's say, let's say it's an endpoint product. I'm going to go through there and go, okay, look, uh, don't put me anywhere near CloudStrike. Don't put me anywhere near Carbon. Don't put me anywhere near these companies. But here are the ones I kind of like. You know, these are the ones I like, and these are the ones I have no clue about. Do me a favor. She'll go off and do all the legwork and everything else. Come back and say, hey, look, you know, here's three or four that are pretty good. Which ones do you want to talk with? 
then we'll set up a meeting and there's all sorts of criteria around the meeting. It's a 30, 45 minute meeting and that's it. Then I can do a quick assessment after she don't slobber on my trousers. I have to go to work. You've got to run. Um, I mean, seriously. Sounds, sounds like, um, sounds like a general cybersecurity trade show. Oh my giddy. I'm just <laughs> 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 slobber breach. That's serious slobber breach. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Bloopers for the show. Why do I love you? Um, I'm just waiting for the ironing board here to collapse on me. (laughs) (laughs) I've got an ironing board. Oh my goodness. Hope this has been uh, entertaining for everyone. Go away. Yeah. yeah, um, That warm thing's a tough one because there's probably only a few CISOs I would actually take that from. Um, and again, that's the problem you just don't know. Um, it's interesting because I mm. thought about it, right? And I said, you know, when someone gives you a warm introduction, it's great. I can tell you, like, I can count on one hand how many people I've ever recommended for a job, right? Lots of people always say, oh, you refer me to this because it's your credibility on the line. Oh, big time. And uh, yeah, I find it's really interesting because a lot of people push towards it. And I find it works very well, but it's not easy because you have to really put yourself out there and really trust that vendor. So if you're getting that warm introduction, you must have done a really good job. I think, you know, this is interesting. So I think a perfect example, and we've mentioned it a couple of times on here, I tend not to do the warm intro. What I tend to honestly do this day and age is I slip it into conference and into like stuff like this. Like, you know, we talked about what we're doing with Danny. We've talked about Kalidi. We've talked a little bit about Wiser. Maria over at NewSpy, you know, I'm happy to have those. I'm happy to just slip that kind of stuff in because for me, I want to use those as examples of where things worked and why and how they worked. It's less that warm intro and it's more, and unfortunately, you know, I, there's a few people that kind of keep an eye on what the hell I'm doing, but that's how I would prefer to do it, which is, and it's the same thing with boot. I, you know, I will, I'm very careful, but I look at how DevSecOps is collaboration. So I walk into boom and my IT, my infosec, my engineering, my legal and compliance all talk to each other. Brilliant. Let me use that as an example on stage in front of, you know, a bunch of folks. I tend to, I go that way, I think more than anything else. So I have one more question for you around sales and how people approach you. Do you prefer someone gives you the keys to the car and you can drive it and test drive everything on your own? Or do you prefer they come and help you set everything up? And the reason I ask is sometimes people say, well, I want to try it. And we think, well, don't we want to guide them? And maybe they don't know everything about the product. And that stems maybe sometimes from, do I want the right documentation, this thing from the vendor, but I'd be curious to get your opinion. You know, it's tough. Me from a personal standpoint, I want to test drive and play. However, um, the team that I now have were much more in the guided. And I think this, and the logic is on this one, and then you know this probably better than I do. If I test drive and play, and, and so I'm trying to think what's a good example. Um, let's just use one of the pen testing tools. Let's use something as simple as Burp Suite. Okay. Nice mm-hmm. application layer pen testing tool. If I hand the keys to somebody and they test drive and play, they can probably do some pretty amazing stuff and some pretty amazing damage, but they won't necessarily understand a replay attack. They won't necessarily understand an MIA man in the middle style. They won't necessarily understand some of the nuances and some of the crazy of we, uh, our endpoint solution, perfect example is probably our endpoint solution. The one we ended up putting in. I test drove and played and messed around with it. And then we brought the engineering team in with our team and holy smoke, some of the stupid shit that we can do with this that we would never have found on our own. And I think that's where, 
again, back to that technical versus operational CISO thing. And I, it also behooves me to listen to my team. And the team's like, hey, love the idea, but we want to sit down with the technical people and go through it. And then it's, and then it's, it's not a show and tell, it's a collaboration. I think that's, again, you, you, we buy off of collaboration. And you tend to discover that. You, you tend to, I had a terrible, terrible meeting with a vendor. And they were hell-bent and determined to show me certain features that I didn't even care about. And I tried going off script and, and they just couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. And I'm like, and, we, and I'm like, we're done. Because that shows to me when we actually deploy the products, I'm kind of screwed because I don't think I'm going to get the right people. Whereas other ones, like the ones we end up going with, it was such a collaborative experience. It was freaking awesome to watch. So I think on that last note, because I know we might come up on the time soon, but uh, if you can't read the room, you're probably not, it, it should be in sales, by the way, because Perfect. people who, can, who, can, who don't know how to understand, that, you know what, you said it twice, if someone doesn't care, you need to move on. I notice it all the time because I do these calls and sometimes I feel rude because I interrupt people. I said, you know what, hey, you know, uh, John, like, you know what, let's parking lot that. Let me focus back to where we want to be, right? And I think that's a, a different tactic or an evolution rate right, in sales because people just, they knew the script. They said, if I follow the script, I'll get my sale. But again, because you need to be an active listener, you have to be able to read the room. It's part of that active listening. Yeah, 100%. This is great. And that's going to be a nice little add-on to this particular uh, episode. We'll talk about active listening in the essay and kind of give prescriptive tips on how to actively listen because that's a super underrated skill i think in in our industry mm -hmm. i just posted about it actually three days ago it was like the most popular posts on for the week so nice. uh excellent gentlemen uh anything else you want to impart on the audience today before we sign off i just want to know when i can ride on one of the boom planes so i'll oh, be yeah. reaching out to you on linkedin and email and i will be cold calling you until i have that opportunity we're getting there we're getting there. Let's put it that way. We're, um, man, I'm so, I'm same way. I'm, I'm meant to be in the UK. Same thing. Nine, 10 hours on a tip can. If I can take that down to three or four hours, there's a reason I'm here. Let's put it that way. No, um, I appreciate the time to, to be here. And it was a pleasure to speak with you both. Yeah. I will echo that exact same sentiment. Absolute pleasure. Absolute fantastic. Chris, I wish. I wish we could take this sentiment between the pair of us and just deploy this across our industry on both sides of everything we're trying to do. It'd be so well, you both just wait. <laughs> you both just wait. We're going to have some pretty cool things happening in, uh, in uh, 2023, 2024. So uh, 24, 25 now. Holy moly, we're almost in 25 or 24. I don't, care. Oh, don't. I don't even know what day it is, by the way, folks. So. Uh, both of you, you are always welcome to the show. This has been so insightful and an absolute pleasure. I hope uh, the conversation helped both of you learn a little bit more about your world. So thank you again. Totally. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Danny. Much appreciated. All right. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.